Welcome to the second episode of Resilience and Opportunity. Mark Lettman here recording in sunny Orlando, Florida, May 20th, 2019. So today I'm going to talk about why I don't consider myself an advocate or passionate environmentalist and, and most importantly why I feel it's important to make that distinction. Uh, this is a topic I tackled back in July of 2018 on my blog if you'd like to go back and read that. To help really illustrate my point, I'm going to talk about an observation I made at a little place called Disney World and the Instagram feedback I received from it. So should be a pretty good time. So before we dive into today's topic, I want to briefly talk about my childhood hometown of White Salmon, Washington, its people, and, and most importantly, what they mean to me. To set the scene a little, uh, White Salmon is a historic logging community right on the Columbia River, about 60 miles east of Portland, Oregon. Uh, growing up, if you looked out my front window, you'd see the incredible snow-capped Mount Hood. If you look out the back, you'd see the uh, equally beautiful uh, snow-capped Mount Adams. So as far as real estate goes, uh, there's not many places that can compete. Uh, growing up, uh, again, this was a small town, about 1,500 folks. And my family, five kids in total, lived about dead center in the middle of town. And so for every kid, there was probably two or three visitors on any given day. So do the math on that, and you can get an idea of what our kitchen table often looked like. The Lampman clan circa 80s and 90s could perhaps best be described as equal parts institution and uh, local spectacle. <laughs> There's never a dull moment in our house. Always somebody climbing a mountain, climbing a tree, riding a bike. Uh, never a dull moment. And honestly, there was just no better place to grow up. I left White Salmon to pursue adventure just after high school, but I always had the intention of someday returning home to the Pacific Northwest. Uh, as we all know, life has a way of charting its own course, so uh, fast forward 20 plus years, and my family and I live here in Orlando, Florida now, and, and I haven't been home in more than a dozen times in the intervening years. I've been reminded nearly every day since starting this project uh, a little over a year ago with my first blog post just how special white salmon is and just how much all those folks that i grew up with mean to me i've had no better base of support than these folks whether it's josh who writes a thoughtful comment on nearly everything i write to brett who is more than happy to challenge me on nearly everything i put out there yet keeps coming back for more even that experience we've all had where our specific memories of someone have been lost to the hands of time, yet just the mention of their name or hearing from them brings back a sensation of who they are. Uh, you're reminded of their kindness, their thoughtfulness, their smile, their laughter. This podcast and, and this blog before it has really given me an opportunity to experience that on many different occasions, and, and for that I'm very thankful. There are two primary reasons why I go out of my way to distinguish myself from those who have dedicated their lives to public health, to protecting the environment, to protecting uh, endangered species and the like. And uh, the first one is really goes back to my childhood. Again, growing up in a small rural community in a time when the only phone in the house hung on a wall and used to use threats and intimidation to determine who actually had to answer the thing that meant that everything you did involved the outside whether it's hiking and hunting on your off time or building fence bucking hay or cutting firewood there just wasn't much daylight between what passed for work and what passed for play 
I don't think a teenage Mark Lampman would be able to give you much of an answer if you asked him for his thoughts on environmental issues. I think the younger me would have thought about it more of a transactional relationship. Uh, respectful yet transactional. Uh, we depended on the environment and at the same time we, we also greatly appreciated and respected our surroundings beauty and inspiration. The first thing I ever learned about environmental initiatives, I learned firsthand, and that was the incredible impact it can have on people's lives. I grew up in a time when, for the Northwest, the big issue was the spotted owl. For the uninitiated, it's a small owl that was believed to have a limited habitat area in what was particularly called the old growth forest areas of our national forest. Uh, therefore, it required endangered species protections. So longer conversation for another day, but suffice it to say that this and other factors drove the timber industry of the Northwest to dark days. And because my dad worked in a plywood mill at the time, uh, his factory was closed and we ended up moving as a family to Idaho about the time I was graduating high school. So I often draw on the memories of those difficult times when I consider how environmental programs and policies can impact our communities. The second and more important reason why I don't consider myself an advocate or passionate environmentalist is that those titles sell short what I'm trying to convey to my audience. I want people to make decisions that are sustainable based on economic reasons more so than just simply because it's the right thing to do uh, i didn't come across the world of sustainability through traditional means and i want that to be reflected in the podcast and the blog that i write someday i'll dive into how i came across the world of sustainability but suffice it to say it's a very untraditional track and uh, i found it because i was looking for a solution to a problem rather than finding a problem and looking for a solution. So I'd like to evoke Instagram and paper straws as a way to illustrate the, the points I've been trying to make in this podcast. Uh, as for the uninitiated, there's an institution at Disney World called Joffrey's. It's a small coffee shop that has stands throughout the park. Uh, its most important stand is right at the exit. That's where they capture all of us tired tourists and travelers just as we're about to uh, face down the I-4 and all of its traffic and construction. So as I was leaving, I just happened to notice that the straw they gave me was made of paper. And uh, I want to use Instagram as kind of a way to illustrate the way I see the world in terms of sustainability and business. So I just took a picture of it and um, didn't think much of it. But today, this is actually one of my most highly regarded posts, and particularly among young people. So for those who don't know, the paper straws became a big issue just this year, not in small part to a picture of a turtle who had a plastic straw sticking out of its head. So it's certainly an environmental issue for our country and for the world. Uh, what are we going to do with all this plastic? But I also see it as a business opportunity. I, I assume that a lot of the folks that liked the picture on Instagram did so because they were thinking of the, the, the turtle. And, and certainly I am a big turtle fan myself. But uh, I was also interested in the mechanics that got that straw into that cup. What was 
Joffrey's decision process in, in pursuing what I assume is a more expensive product than uh, the plastic straws? Do they do it based on customer feedback? Do they do it because of uh, underlying company goals and objectives? Or was it driven by Disney? And to take it a little bit further, what does a change like this mean more broadly? Will other companies within the Disney ecosystem start moving toward paper straws? What will happen to the company that manufactures these straws? What is their stock value? What is their prospect for the future going forward? And is this a the beginning of a new trend. So that's the best way I can describe what I'm trying to convey in this podcast in terms of sustainability as a business model. A lot of folks are drawn to my ideas based on uh, the environmental aspects, which is important. But at the same time, I, I want to capture the, the economic case for some of these changes that we see and, and we need to see more of. All right, that wraps up the second episode of Resilience and Opportunity. Thanks to everybody who came back for a second round. And welcome to everybody that found the show this week. Again, we're still pushing this car down the road, putting the wheels on as we go. So look for more refinement on every episode. Uh, still not live on your Googles and your Apples. So you can only find it on the website at this time. The website, R-E-S-I-L-O-P-P. Dot com. There you can subscribe and leave comments. Love to get your feedback. Tell me what works, what doesn't. Tell me what made you laugh. Tell me what uh, ideas you have for future shows. And uh, we'll incorporate that into making this a better program. Be sure to listen in next week when I share a speech I wrote for a graduation competition a couple years ago when I was completing my master's in sustainability. A lot of good observations that were applicable then and even more so now. To go beyond that, I'm going to talk about where I think the world's sustainability is, particularly in the new environment we're finding ourselves in. A lot has changed in just the last couple years. So I look forward to kind of updating my observations and sharing those thoughts with you. So until then, I wish everybody all the best and look forward to hearing from you. Thank you.